I am, before I start again, I, I'm just burdened this morning about what's going on in Ukraine. But I'm burdened, and yet I am still rejoicing because God is doing something. And we see it happening before our eyes. We talked about end times, last days, whatever. And we're getting so many, so many hints and clues that this world that we know is rapidly coming, is wrapping up. I'm just saying that. That rapidly could be, in God's timing, 3,000 years. Jesus just said, look at the signs. And so that's why I'm encouraging you to do that. We have not seen anything like this really since 1939, where a sovereign uh, country has been just literally invaded uh, by a tyrant. So we need to keep that in prayer. Enough with a political speech. There's a true story about a man who was on a business trip, and his host company's hospitality package included a female escort. So while he was, while he was taking her to his hotel, suddenly he turned around and took her back home. And when he arrived at his hotel room, he fell on his knees in anguish and started praying. And here was the gist of his prayer. He said, oh God, had I only taken her home because I love you. But I took her home because I'm afraid of you. And then he concluded by saying, God, I don't love you. I don't know you. So I would suspect that at some point in time, we all struggle in our commitments to Jesus Christ because we are always being tested. I know for me, I cannot say, stand before you and say every day of my life is I'm right there with Jesus and we're right side by side working together there are days when I struggle. When I fall, I need God's grace. We are here because we all need God's grace. There's not one of us here that is perfect. If you say, claim to be perfect, please come up right now and tell us how you're doing it. What is your secret? None of us are. God's grace is beautiful, isn't it? We need to really understand and apply God's grace and his mercy because without it, we're done. We're nothing. So I want to, my first thought this morning is I want to talk about the difference between knowing about Christ and being in Christ. Big, big difference. Okay, as you know. So some of this I'm preaching to the choir, but you know what? We always need reinforcement, don't we? Amen. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. 
Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. A cognitive understanding about Jesus is not enough to really know him. Some go through the motion and say, I'm going to try really, really hard to be connected to Jesus. I'm going to try really, really hard to know Christ. I'm going to try really, really hard to attend church every Sunday. I'm going to try really, 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 really hard to go to that Bible study, to go to that small group, to pray with a neighbor or whatever. Usually so many fall short because they try to do it themselves without surrendering it all to Christ. That is the key, to surrender all to Jesus. What's that song go? I surrender all? That is so important. Verses 23 and 24 are key here. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the old self, created to be like God, into righteousness and holiness. We were created to be more like Christ. This happens, we know, when Jesus frees us from the old self and its selfish desires. Being in Christ is the game changer. How many times have we, have we said, oh, I've heard Rudy. He's from, near the front row. I've heard so many wonderful things about you. You know, George, I've heard so many wonderful things about you. Jan, Mike in the back row, and Katie. You know, don't we do that? We've heard that. I, I, I've heard so much about you. What does that mean? Does that mean that you really know that person? No. You know, how do you get to know someone? That's very simple, isn't it? Simple logic is you get to know someone by being with them. By saying, hey, I heard a lot about you. Hey, why don't we do lunch or something like that? Or through a course of time, you start engaging with that person. Then you start developing something that is different. You get to know that person personally. How many, how many, uh, I enjoy all kinds of music. I do. You know, I like the crooners, Frank Sinatra. I know that Becca does too. And all the old crooners, you know, unbelievable. There's really only one left. Who would that be, Becca? There's only one left of the old crooners. That would have to be Tony Bennett. And he can still crank out a tune at 95 years. It's amazing. But anyway, my, my point is with all of that, that we know, like I know, I enjoy, I enjoy, like I say, all kinds of me. I love, I enjoy, I have a difficult time with the modern music, rock and roll, we don't even call it that anymore. But remember this name, I'm going to throw this out, Peter Frampton. Okay. All right. Well, I know, I know, just woo, 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 woo. Yeah. He, he, Peter, I just, I really enjoy his music. 
you know, but I don't know him. But one way, you know, you hear a record or you're someone, but when you go to a concert, then you feel closer to that person, right? Or that group or whatever the case might be. One of his all-time favorite albums, I think, of him was Frampton Live. You got to listen to it. It's an outstanding piece. I think it is. Okay, I'm saying I bombed on that by being up, bringing up Peter Frampton. My point is, see, we need to get to know each other. And that's the same with Christ. It's the same principle. God created us to be relational. He created us to get to know each other. You know, he pulled those disciples together with him, that small group, and they, they grew to know him because they were with him. Some just knew about him, but they knew him personally. That was the difference maker. And God has provided that for us through his Holy Spirit to know Jesus personally. We know that, right? When Christ is in us, we seek him, we, are, we, we take on the mind of Christ, and so on and so forth. So that is so important for us to see. That is the game changer. That is a difference maker than to know him, to know about him. There are a lot of people that know a lot of things about the faith. In fact, I think we're talking to Katie this morning, Mike, or whatever. And that is, you know, I, 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 I'm not impressed too easily about people having a lot of knowledge in the sense about the faith unless I know where they are in the faith. That's the difference maker for me. You know, you can talk it, but do you walk it, as we say many, many times. When you walk it, we are in Christ. Christ is in us when we surrendered all to him, when we're sold out to Christ. Amen? Okay. John, maybe we should pull up of that Alvin Frampton live and listen to it and see where we're going to go with that. So anyway, I want to go with number two thought, bought and paid for. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Unfortunately, society in general and some Christians have this casual, indifferent view of the faith. Faith is, for them is more of an ideal than it is to be practiced. You don't mix life and religion. We are reminded that Jesus paid the price on the cross for our whole being, body, mind, and soul. Has this ever happened to you? Somebody's uh, claimed, they say, hey, you're just too religious. You're too religious. You take your faith too seriously. You know, you're that radical person. Oh, you go to that radical church? That church you go to? Oh, you just, oh, you just disgust me. They're thinking to themselves because you want to be just so much like Jesus. You're just so holier than thou. Have you ever been accused of those things? Of being that kind of a person? We can't, we, a kid, we call Jan the church lady. You know, where, where, you know, you wear your 
your faith on your sleeve. It's out there. I have been accused of being too serious and too religious. So we're all kind of in this club together. That is an inter... And I tell you, I love that label. That's, that's good. But that's... See, God does not want... Jesus does not want our half obedience. He wants our hearts. He wants to take your heart and he wants it in his hand and he wants to teach you to love you. He wants you to fill him with your heart. You know, that's a love affair. Hey, many of us are here are married. You know? And so I kind of translate that to my wife. I love my wife with all my heart because God has taught me how to love her with my heart as God wants us to love him with our hearts. It is a heart issue. You know, it is a heart issue or a heart condition with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It really, when you say Jesus, when Jesus is in your heart, whoa, does it, boy, you really feel the vibe of his presence and love. Jesus, but if you just know about him, Jesus. It's a word of a man, a person, a prophet, or whatever they want to call him. See what I'm saying? I don't know, Larry. I think I'm bombing here because I'm not hearing a whole lot of amens or whatever. But we're just going to kind of continue this and see maybe we can kind of um, change things. You know, the true Muslim, listen to this, the, the true Muslim says being faithful to Allah is the essence of life. Can we say that about Jesus? Can we say that about Jesus? No indictment on anybody here. But if the church at large could say that about Jesus, that he is the essence of life, we would almost have to turn people away every Sunday from coming to church. These chairs would be filled, and that's a calling. I struggle sometimes, even as I pass. When I work out, when I do my workouts, I'm there to work out. I'm there to sweat. You know, and I come there with my sloppy, I don't wear the fancy uh, sweats or whatever. I just throw on something that had for 25 years my shorts and my old tennis shoes, and I just go, and I'm not too impressive, because I'm doing, not too impressive anyway, but I just don't really. <laughs> oh, where was I? I'm so lost now. I'm shot. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, thank you very much for bring, for bringing me back. But, oh, geez, oh, that was too much. But my point is that how can we not proclaim Jesus? How can we not? Somehow, be on our knees praying and say, God, I know that you're real. Jesus, I know that you're real. 
There's your, I feel your Holy Spirit. You speak to me. I've been so blessed that you don't want to pass that on to someone else or to pray about that. So many times we don't. I'm, like I said, when I work out, I have to pray, God, how can you use me? Because, like I said, I just go in and work out and I leave. That's what I do. Now I'm praying, God, somehow use me at my workout place. And we're starting to see some, I'm starting to see some movement there because I'm trying to listen to God's voice here because pretty much, I'm, I, I keep saying that, but I am. I'm the silent person. I go in, work out, and I leave. Is that really what God wants for me? You know, if I'm sharing with you how we need to be more proactive about Christ, that applies to me as well, to all of us. There is no reason, God, this church is going to move. I know it is because God told me, and I believe, I'm standing on that truth, but we have to, and I have to do my part in making it happen. It's not going to happen by osmosis. I don't believe that. We have to somehow be engaged and work with God in this. Amen? Can you imagine again if, uh, amen, there we go. All right, that amen beats what the horrible thing that Rudy said about me. Um, so it's just amazing how, don't you want to be a fun church? Don't you want to be a happy church? And people say, why are you so happy? Because we love Jesus, he loves us. We have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be happy about, even in the midst of life's ups and downs. Amen? And amen. All right. Number three, is anything standing in your way? John 21, 20 through 24. Now, stick with me on this one because it's an interesting transition, I find, for me. When I was reading this, I was really, when I got to verse 24, I think, I was finding a hard time bringing that into the rhythm of this whole passage. But in this particular passage, we see previously Jesus hinted about Peter's death, that Peter's death would bring God glory. So if you read that before that, he's talking about, uh, uh, he's talking about feed my sheep and, and so on and so forth. He is referring to, to Peter. But, but pick up on this. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, who would that be? John, was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the, up, at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Remember this. The rumor, because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Then verse 24, interesting. This is the disciple who testifies. He's talking about John. To these things who wrote them down, we know that his testimony true. Now Peter returns to his old impulsive ways. 
He wants to know about John's destiny. He wants to know about John's future. For Jesus, John's future was not Peter's concern. Jesus said, you know, hey, basically, mind your own business. John does not, don't be so nosy. Don't try to be so uh, authoritative and try to tell me what to do or whatever because he's mine. You have your own problems. I'm talking about your death, brother, not his. Okay? All right. Verses 23 and 24. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. This is the disciple who testifies, in verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus said, follow me. Isn't, isn't it true with churches today? We get so caught up on misunderstandings. We get so caught up on, on the, you know, we, we go so off message and we forget the come follow me. Come follow me. That's what John's ministry was to declare that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that we are all called to follow him. That was his message in a nutshell. But the rumor spread that John would, would live until Jesus returned because they misunderstood what Jesus said. So John the writer had to clarify what Jesus really said. Sometimes believers, listen to this, sometimes believers in community, that is us or any given church, sometimes, sometimes we, we don't hear correctly. Or sometimes we get false information. And sometimes, sometimes we spread gossip, don't we? You know, sometimes, you know, it's interesting sometimes when we say, I'm going to pray for so-and-so. Oh, what's going on with so-and-so? You know, details. Just to pray for that person. Amen? And so, and then, verse 24. We know that his testimony is true. Again, John's testimony is about Jesus. You know, so cut the distractions. And, and that has not changed. Here we have this, we have Peter, and this, he's all about gossiping. He's all about, hey, he's nosy. What about him? What about John? What about him? What about Chris? What about Maria? What about Larry? What about Mike? Dewey? Don't worry about him in that sense. You know, we get so distracted with other things the church does that we forget what is important. And here's another thing, too, that I want to bring up and share with you, that, that we don't, don't let rumors or misunderstandings or trying to tell someone else what to do stand in our way of following Jesus Christ. The number one problem in churches today, I believe, and I've experienced through the years, is just what I'm talking about. We get all caught up in our stuff, and then we start, 
you know, you know, we, we're, we're not the people, we're gossiping about them or, or misinformation or whatever, but here's the thing. We all do that and we know it. What, what constitutes, I think, a real believer, a follower in Christ, who seeks to follow Christ and the church that seeks to follow Christ is this. We can disagree. We can even misunderstand. But my role is not to walk out. My role is not to walk out. If I'm the one, I'm being misunderstood or whatever, my role is not to leave the church. That is not Christ. That is not Christ. We all blow it. Imagine if we all blew it and we're so thin-skinned and whatever, we just walk out. Where would the church be? What kind of witness would we be? Am I making any sense? I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing to you. But I've seen it. I, my heart's been broken time and again. People that will leave the church for the silliest reasons. Really? Well, I don't like what so-and-so said about me. Or whatever. Did you talk to that person? Or perhaps you misunderstood. Maybe you need to clean up some misunderstandings. This might sound cold to you. But I've had people, I had a good friend of mine come into, into the church. He was, a, he was a board member, whatever. And, and he would say, Pastor Benny, see these people, they don't come to church anymore. Maybe you ought to go visit them. And I said, why? I said, we have a church here of people that are alive and, and dedicated to the church, I focus on them. Do I pray about Yes, I do. Oftentimes, when you go and you visit someone who's left a church, they're going to complain. They're going to tell you all the bad things about that church, all the bad things about the people. That's all you're going to hear is complaint, complaint. I said, I don't have time for that. And I don't believe that God wants me to use my time in that regard. I'm called to shepherd the flock, people that want to be here. Yes, I want to reach out, of course, but that's not what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying? You know, some people you've got to walk away from. You just walk away in the name of Christ and pray that maybe somebody else might come along that can hammer some sense into them. Okay. Y'all look so serious. But anyway, I'm passing that along. As being the old pastor here, you know, I've learned that I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I just can't waste my energy on people. I love them, but if they walk away for the wrong reasons and I try to reach out and they still don't want it, I have to move on. We all have to move on. So somebody whatever it is for you, that you feel whatever, that, you know, you feel that way in, some, in your own way, then you have to learn to walk away and pray for that person and then just move on. Amen? All right. Now, that didn't hurt, did it? Number four, what are your fears? We want to be here for a while with this one. First John 4, 18 and 19. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Could we have some music back there, please? Just a little mood music. 
because fear has to do with punishment. Now, back in John's day, punishment uh, was in reference to torture as well and worry. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Listen, God does not want us to live in fear. We all worry about something, but the way to overcome fear is to place our fears against what Christ has already done. And what has Christ already done? In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. What is your worst fear? For you, what is your worst fear? Fear of health? Remember, Jesus' perfect love drives out what? Drives out fear. Jesus' perfect love drives out that fear. How about anxiety? Anxiety is big these days. And boy, I want to tell you, listen to what I'm saying. Remember that Jesus' love, perfect love, drives out that fear. We say that as Christians, but then we still have anxiety or fear about this or that. The other thing, what, what, is, the, what is the point that if I, if I pray about my fears or my anxieties and nothing seems to happen, I'm still the same way, am I wrong? I'm not faith not strong enough? No, no, no. No. Some people have a fear and they're delivered like that. Other people have that same fear and what happens, Satan can get a hold of them and can beat them up. Oh God, I pray about this, I pray about this, but I can't seem to get over it. That's okay. Jesus knows, but you have to rely on Jesus' timing. That's where faith, trust in your faith, trust in Jesus' love that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, but I'm going through all of this. God knows that. But that's when you have to trust him. You have to trust that he's going to be using that somehow for his good. Maybe, maybe sometimes we run from Christian psychologists, you know, people that counselors. Maybe God's telling you to run to a counselor. And that counselor will help you. My daughter has been to a Christian counselor. My granddaughter has been to a Christian counselor, and they have helped them immensely. That counselor helped them immensely. Sometimes that's what it takes. Does not God work through medicine? Sometimes we pray for a healing. Heal that person. It doesn't happen. But then you go to the doctor... And guess what? God does work through medicine. It's not... If you go to a doctor, it's not because you have lack of faith. Maybe because God has given you sense to go to that doctor. See what I'm saying? Some people fear their finances, their financial situation. That they need to remember that Christ's perfect love drives out that fear. My wife, I tell you, my brothers, this is in sisters in Christ. This is where your counseling comes in. 
I'm just going to talk and you can just listen. She was a basket, basket case in our early part of a marriage because of the finances. I mean, I mean, Maria, it was bad. You know, she just would fret over every dollar. And that happened even when we got into ministry. And she said, I'm just so fearful, I'm so fearful. And then guess what? In time, God delivered her from that fear of finances. And now it's a nightmare. Spend, 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 spend. That's all she wants to do. But see, my point is, God delivered her. That's the point. And it took a period of time for that to happen. It did not happen overnight. Sometimes God takes us, walks us down that path until we are really ready or His timing. His timing is always perfect. So don't ever give up with your fears thinking God is not listening. He's listening. And He knows. But you've got to keep seeking Him. Keep seeking. It's got to be relentless seeking of Jesus and all of these things. Maybe your fear is job security. You know? Remember that Jesus' perfect love drives out that fear. I'm not taking anything away from having job issues. I'm not. All I can tell you is that you've got to hang in there. And I encourage you to keep trusting Jesus because he will work it out as you keep seeking him. He will work it out for his good, for your good and his glory. He would do that. So are you with me? Amen. Very good. I want to close this with Colossians 3.15. It says, let the perfect peace of Christ rule in your heart. Being faithful to Jesus brings real peace. His is the only peace we need. So, I believe that we, I'm just encouraging you to face each day, face your day with the assurance that God in Christ will see you through. Amen? He will see you through, and you'll be happier, you'll be more content confident just trust that but you know it happens in the trenches i just can't say it or somebody else can say it you know words are words but you got to live it in your life live the words live the truth in your life and you will receive jesus peace each and every time no matter what it is what you're going through you know jesus will always be there for you each and every time he is so faithful when we say, I love when Becca said, we love you, Jesus. He loves us. He loves us so much. He died on that cross. Son, my son, my daughter, I know it's difficult for you, but trust me. We're going to work this out together, but you've got to trust me. You gotta trust me. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for a brother or sister here right now, Lord, that is struggling with a fear, struggling in their lives, Lord, seeking your face, seeking your help, Lord. 
Lord, if through your Holy Spirit, you will help them trust you, Jesus. Trust that you are faithful. Trust in your love. That you'll never leave them, you'll never forsake them. That your peace will just overwhelm them. And you turn their fears into joy and laughter. Oh God, you are truly amazing. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.